My man. Andy, what's up, man? How you been, Cassie? Ah, good. So is this the podcast right now? This is it, brother. Nice. This is pretty cool, man. This so this is just it's done through the phone. Yeah, that's right. It's the easiest way I found to do it. You know, I looked up all the equipment and you know, a studio and blah blah blah, but this thing works pretty decent. Once in a while it'll cut out. If it cuts out, uh, I just send the link back to you and we just keep rolling it, you know. But oh yeah, but no worries. A little bit a little bit it's just raw, you know, pretty uncut. Nothing nothing serious, nothing major. Just talk about life, baseball, you know, things that you do. I hear you. So what's up with you, bro? Where are you at these days? You living in Detroit still? Yeah, I'm in Clarkston. Clarkston's about uh an hour from downtown, forty five minutes, uh up seventy five from downtown. You know, go nice. past, like you go past go basically if you go twenty minutes past like Birmingham. Uh, yeah. That's where I'm at on seventy five. Nice. Well done. Well, you know, my wife's from Bloomfield Hills. I'm a Kansas boy. Uh, we were lived in Kansas City a little bit when I was rehabbing my second back surgery. Uh, I liked it there, but man, it was just we were out in the country and it was kind of far from stuff. And we've got three kids now, so. Oh, you didn't waste no time with that, huh? Come on, dude. Do I waste time with anything? No, but if I recall, bro, I remember on the jumbotron you said once you retired, you're going to be out in the woods and you weren't going to see anybody anymore. And that's what I would have done if I didn't get married. <laughs> well, get life happens, huh? And then you got to get a job, and then you got to do this, and then you got to be in the public. So it's all good, man. Happy wife, happy life, man. A fact. So are you living in Miami still? Well, yeah, Fort Lauderdale. So, but oh, I mean, okay. I tell everybody Miami just because, you know, if you say Miami, everybody knows exactly where that is. But I'm about 45 minutes north yeah. of Miami. Cool. Cool. How's your little man doing? Dude, Liam's good, man. He uh, He's in a big-time soccer phase right now. He likes it way better than baseball, so. That's all right. I don't know how I feel about that, but he uh, but he's having fun, man, and he's he's actually pretty good. So he's scoring a bunch of goals, and he's loving it, so. Whatever right they're now, into, I guess, man, just let them play, right? Exactly. So what I'll do, I'll just hit a quick intro, and we'll just get started. Just have a conversation. I'll just ask some questions. Whatever you want to say, say. Oh no! I thought we were, I thought we were recording right now. We are recording. I was on. I was just saying what's up. Oh, we are recording. Yeah, we're recording. Oh, perfect. But we can cut out whatever you know. I'll, oh I make, no! But I make some. I think of, I think all of this. I think all of this like unedited stuff is what makes podcasts cool. It is what makes it cool. Right. Without a doubt, because if the more it's edited and the more structured it is, the harder it is. It's. I don't like the. There's a big difference between a radio interview and a podcast, right? Duh, exactly. I mean, and and I mean, I'm I'm fairly familiar. I mean, not uh, I'm familiar, but only only a little bit just because I mean, I'm sure you know that uh, Shane and I got, you know, a podcast kind of fell in our lap mm-hmm. and uh, it was pretty it was pretty cool doing it. And it was way more laxed than I than I thought it would be, you know? Yeah, it's not structured. It's not anything. The problem is we don't have an intro yet, so I just do it. <laughs> Samantha, why don't we ha- say hi to Samantha, Nick? Is your daughter? Hi, Samantha. No, no, it's my assistant. Say hi to oh. Nick. Oh, hello. Oh, hi, assistant Samantha, not daughter Samantha. Uh, yeah, what? Why, why don't we have it? Why don't we have a cool intro song yet? She hasn't thought of one. She says. Ask him what he thinks. What do you think about an intro song? 
I mean, sure, you could totally do it. You you could do an intro song. I mean, what kind of what kind of genre are you looking for? That's what I'm stuck on. I can't find a song that's appropriate. <laughs> but oh, what's your, people well, what's what's your podcast called? Get your game right. Get your game right. Yeah. Um. I don't know, maybe like a We Will Rock You, like by Queen. I don't know, everybody likes Queen, especially out in Detroit. That's a good point. Like just maybe like the instrumental to that. I don't know, it depends. You want to get people fired up or yeah. I don't know. I don't. So I don't know, maybe like a Queen instrumental or like a Bohemian Rhapsody instrumental. There you go. What about tech? I don't know. What about techno? Just thought. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, like <laughs> if I'm you – like, I guess it's all, like, who you're trying to appeal to. Like, you know, if you're trying to connect with people from Detroit, I mean, I would throw Eminem, Eminem or Kid Rock or whatever, or maybe just switch it up with something that uh, that people relate to. I born guess. born free. Born free with Kid with Kid Rock right there. I was well, born you free, you know. Well, there you go. All right. Cool. She'll take it into consideration. So well, uh, let me know how that goes. I will. I will. But what I'll do, I'll just, uh, you know, some of this stuff's going to be good. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to hit up an intro just because we don't have one. And do I need to do an intro or should we just run it like this? What? Do I need to do an intro? Should yes, we just run it yes. like She said yes. Okay. All right. All right. It's time to get your game right, get your head right with your man, Andy Dirks. Today on the show, we got a young budding star. I call him young. He's been in the big leagues a long time. He's only 27 years old. Had one of his best seasons of his career last year, doing great things all over the baseball field. Nick Castellanos, man, thanks for being on. Oh, man, my pleasure. My pleasure, Andy. So, Casty, I remember Casty is a, a very young, very young guy coming up from the minor leagues uh, into the big leagues. Uh, had a great personality, go-getter, uh, was ready to learn, willing to do whatever it took. Obviously, your roles changed quite a bit on the team from when you came up and it was a bunch of old savvy vets. Now you're kind of turned, you have turned into the old savvy vet, you know, for the Tigers, uh, just signed your arbitration deal. Uh, Nick, what's it like when you first came up to the big leagues compared to now? Well, um, I mean, I guess the only way that that I could put it is like, you know, when you're walking into high school, your freshman year and like you got no idea where any of the lockers are. All the students look way older and meaner than you. And, you know, you're just trying to hope to figure out that you get to class on time. And then, you know, then when you're a senior and you're kind of, you know, like you have the whole school like kind of in the palm of your hand, I guess, you know, where everything is kind of just familiar. You know, everybody's name. You know, the teachers, you know, you have relationships with people, you know, and, and there's not that intimidating factor anymore. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, that's pretty much I, I would say how it's changed for me anyway, you know, where yeah. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that, like, it makes me take my job any less serious, but it's just you kind of you kind of get to know yourself. And uh, as as a baseball player and like as a person, you know, with with the environment that you get thrown into, because, I mean, you know, bro, like. The atmosphere of a major league baseball season is different than anything you can encounter. Without a doubt, there's a lot of different personalities in a clubhouse, obviously, that make a clubhouse uh, entertaining. It's a group of guys, a core group of guys that regardless of what you you want, you're going to be spending a ton of time with each other. You know, no doubt. 
So and also, you also have to take into account like you don't know how you're going to handle being in three cities a week. You don't know how you're going to handle being in the limelight, you know, pretty much all the time. You don't know how you're going to handle, you know, having access to all of the best restaurants and the best clubs all over the country, you know, and you don't, you don't know how you're going to handle that yet, you know, until, until you handle it. And then you kind of can prioritize everything as, as you go, at least for me. Yeah, a lot gets thrown at you at once. You know, there's a big difference between being in the bus leagues and then getting to the big leagues and the limelight and the pressure and different things start happening quickly. Very quickly, especially, I mean, and more so, man, you got to remember, like, dude, I got up there at 21 years old. Yeah. So, like, I, I still didn't even know who I was yet, yeah. you know, when I was wearing a major league uniform. Yeah, without a doubt. And you've done a great job at your growth on the field, off the field, you know, it didn't take you long to, to really start making an impact in the big leagues at a young age. And, and this last year, you really, I think this was a big year for you as far as, Hey, I am a guy, you know, and, and I'm a guy that can go out and, and do it every day. Uh, your, your numbers offensively were amazing. You had a, and that was with transitioning, you know, really from a, a third base role to really having to become a right fielder. People don't know the, what it takes, you know, mentally to just make that switch and those different things happen. I think you're handling it well. What are some things that you've learned along the way to, to help you handle some of that as you've uh, seen some success? Turn the page. Whether, whether you've had a great day or you've had a bad day, turn the page. Uh, and one thing that's helped me with turning the page is kind of just getting a, uh, getting a routine done, you know, from the moment I wake up in the morning to – you know, it's going to sound super cliche, man, but like making your bed when you wake up makes a difference. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And your kind of day just falls in the line from there where, you know, growing up, when I first got to the big leagues, I didn't make my bed. You know, now I, it's something that, that, that I make sure that I do just to make sure that like I've accomplished something as soon as I wake up mm -hmm. and that, that helps me throughout my day, you know? And uh, I think the biggest trap, I guess, I mean, I don't know about anything else but in big leagues is that you can get stuck dwelling too much on a great game or get stuck too much dwelling on a bad game and then you know it kind of it kind of melts into one another and you don't want that you want everything to be extremely individual and that's how you achieve that consistency <clears throat> no no doubt you know like yeah, no doubt i mean for the first i'd probably say three years of of my three three years of my big league career like I would show up to the field feeling feeling how the scoreboard said I should feel you know mm -hmm. like if I was hitting 220 I showed up to the field like I was hitting 220 if I was if I was hitting 330 I was showing up to the field like I was hitting 330 and that's a mistake on both ends you know yeah without a doubt because the 330 mentality you get overconfident a little lax the 220 mentality, your confidence is shot, then you're pressing, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I just, so sense. I just really try to distance myself from any sort of like all the results, you know, just focus on who I am today and, and how I go about my business and, you know, wherever the cards lie at the end, that's, that's how they lie, you know?
Yeah, and you're playing for uh, the Tigers right now, who are in a quote unquote rebuild phase. When you're, <coughs> As, you're along with players. along with the rest of the league. Yeah, exactly. A lot of rebuilds going on, right? Yeah. But this is uh, and 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 when you're when you're one of the best players on a team like that, there's constant talk of trade this or trade that, and 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 that's got to be part of your mentality too to try to distance yourself from that a little bit, or at least let's get the ball rolling if it's going to happen, right? Well, you exactly. You know, like you hear you hear both sides of like, hey, listen, it doesn't look like you're going to be in our future plans to then all right, we're, we're probably going to be shopping for you. But then, you know, it's just you you get to a place where sometimes you can feel stuck in limbo, you know. And, and if I said that the trade deadline last year didn't affect me, I'd be lying, mm-hmm. you know, because you show up, you're like, damn, like is today the day where I get called into the office and I got to pack up all my stuff and fly somewhere else and then have my girlfriend and my mom pack up my whole apartment. And like, is Liam going to my son, like, is my son going to be able to come with us? Like, you know, what's his schedule going to be like? And I guess the more, uh, you know, I, I also fear for the stability of, of like my family, you know, because if I get traded, it affects all my loved ones. You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot more that comes into it just than what happens in between the lines. And I think, I don't know if fans like understand that, you know, just uprooting everything and just shifting gears from, uh, from one conversation. Yeah. And it's, those are things that are completely out of your control at this point in your career, right? And that's what it's tough because you know it's going to affect you. It's, it's some pretty much out of your control. And sometimes, you know, all you can do is put your head down and keep playing. That's the, the cliche way to look at it. But to say it doesn't affect a guy mentally would be ridiculous because you care about your family. You care about, you know, everybody around you. And you want to make sure that they're as stable as possible in a very unstable environment. Well, look, I mean, look at Nick Marcakis for an example. You know, there was he came out and said that he had more lucrative offers and and more length like and longer offers for other teams, but wanted to stay with Atlanta just so bad to keep that consistency with his wife and kids. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, you, you know, you can't you can't discredit, you know, somebody wanting to have a little bit of consistency in an extremely inconsistent environment. Yeah, stability matters uh, to a lot of people, and that's the human element. Because a lot of people see a baseball player as they're not humans, they're just pawns, right? Well, especially well, more now so, where everything is, you're not, even a, you're not even a human being anymore. You're just an analytical formula that, you know, according to Bill James, is no more important than a beer vendor. Yeah. Yep. You know, yep. like, what are, we, what, are we, what are we doing here? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know, like, and, and that's what scares me too, Andy, is like, I don't know about you, but growing up being in the in a in a being a Marlins fan, you know, like I wouldn't go. I would go to the baseball field to see Gary Sheffield's bat wiggle and home run swing, and Rob Nen throw a hundred, you know, and mm-hmm. Kevin Brown, you know, his antics every time he struck somebody out or got out of a jam, you know, it, it was the players that that I fell in love with, not the uh, not the formula, you know. Yeah. And I think that's always going to continue. And that's just like uh, all the kids now, they ask me, you know, what, what should I do? I say, you know, emulate the guys that you like, the guy's game that you like. And, you know, for, for me, I like Manny Ramirez and I like Sammy Sosa and I liked all these different guys. So you could always see a little part of, of, you know, the way I hit or something, you know, whether it's Robinson Cano or whoever 
that was kind of helped form my game because I liked them and they played well and they were fun. They're entertaining. It's not just like you said, it's not the, the name on the back of the Jersey does matter. Like people of course, like, to like root for somebody. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you an example, man. And this is how much of an oxymoron it is. One day after his name is Bill James, right? Is that, is that the dude, the, the guy from the, I think, I think it's yeah. Bill James. Yeah, we'll, yeah. Just say we'll, Bill James. we'll just say Bill James. He comes out with saying the players are no more important than the beer vendors. But then the very next day, it says Shohei Otani makes history. You yeah. know, like, why don't, why don't you, if, if, if the name and his, and who he is, the connection he has with his country, the impact that he has here as an individual with what he's doing uh, in the United States has no relevance, then like, the name is unimportant. You know what I'm saying? So you can't pick and choose when you want to when you want to all of a sudden make the player important. Yeah. You know? Well, and you can see it if you just go look at uh, how many Instagram followers who has. No I doubt. Mean, you know, there's a reason that Instagram's so popular because people like to follow people that have interesting lives and are doing interesting things. And that that's no on doubt. the individual and the hard work and all the things that they put to get there. <clears throat> no doubt. When when you're going into, you know, you had one of your best seasons ever and uh, you come into an off season in arbitration. Right. And you've, you've signed a contract. So congratulations on that. That's a Thank that's you. a big accomplishment. Uh, what's your off season look like going into, you know, OK, I just had a, a nice year. I had a, a very nice year. What, what's your focus this off season? What's uh, uh, anything particular that you're focusing on to try to to hit even that next caliber? Just tight, just continuing to cut up your loose ends. You know what I'm saying? Uh, to to t- to make yourself more consistent, to make yourself uh you know, stronger, wiser, uh, you know, just more of a, more of a complete individual, mm-hmm. you know, uh, where even, even last year, you know, like I had a great year, but you know what, Andy, like I fell into some traps where, you know, like I had to go back to the cage and start searching with, you know, Oh, my hands, this, Oh, my, my feet, this, Oh, like, I'm opening up instead instead of like, <clears throat> excuse me, and taking every at bat as like, bro, punch out or Homer, like this AB, like I'm coming for your ass. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and like, and I'm getting better at that turnover, but still like it, the execution is way easier said than done, you know, because that, uh, the human elements, are, emotions are real, you know? So, you know, you're over three, and you got Craig Kimbrell closing the door, it's really easy to start thinking about like, damn, this is going to be an 0 for 4 going back to the hotel. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Instead of like, no, this is the first at bat of the season right here. Like, look for something and take your A swing, you know? But then you start thinking like, oh, well, you know, I rolled over this pitch and I rolled over that pitch. Like, I got to be this. So I got to start making sure that like, I'm staying in and do and you know, like, and you just start tying yourself in a knot mm-hmm. and uh, just making sure that you're always keeping yourself loose and, and flowing and, and present, I guess I should say, you know, but that's an ever going process. The physical versus the mental is always a battle in baseball. And it was for me and it is for every player, 
you know, it's, it's the, the mechanics versus the mindset at times. Cause we both know that, you know, as bad as you want to feel great every day in a long season, there's going to be days you pick the bat up. It feels heavy. You get on deck. The swing's not right. You get in the cage. Your wrist, yeah, your 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 wrist, your wrist is sore. You know, you got it. You're sick. You're this. You're that. You know, with baseballs every day, so like all the human elements come out. Mm -hmm. You know, with an individual, and that's why I think having that routine that you take pride in every day is so important because it can anchor you during your time of play. With that, and that's another, and that's another thing too, man. Like. There were times when I was frustrated and I was struggling and, you know, the trade rumors and then being in like the, the all-star snub or whatever, where there were times where I was just frustrated and like would just show up and sit in my locker and not do my routine because I was frustrated. You know, yeah. that's, that's a mistake on my part. That's me being immature. You know, that's letting outside factors affect how I go about my business, which is a, which is a learning curve. Mm-hmm. Pushing through those things on a daily basis is tough. You know, I try to explain to people all the time, just because you're playing baseball for a living doesn't mean you necessarily want to go out on the field every day. There's days where you're like, man, the last thing I want to do is is strap it on because whether you're struggling or whatever's happening, but that's where you really got to dig deep and and do what you said. Like this at bat matters. Like I'm going to get this guy. It might be the fourth at bat. You can't fit. Your legs are dead. Every bone in your body's tired. All the fans left for the game. You're losing the game you know, uh, eight to nothing. And, and, but that at bat matters in that moment. And that's all you can control. Bingo, bingo. But like, but like you, but like I said, bro, it's way easier said than done. Of course it is. And I, you know, I look back and I can remember at bats as focused as I thought I could be where I'm walking back to the dugout and my head really wasn't there. No. You know, I struck out and I'm like, man, I, I don't even really remember what just happened. Yeah, or yeah, I'm tr- bro, I'm there. I'm there often. Okay, I'm there often. What's a what's an off season? Uh, you know, the off season is always short. It it looks long on paper at times, but if you really break it down, it's not that long. You get a little rest, uh, then it's no, time to crank you, it up. Right? You get you get home. You this is the way the off season is. You get home. You start organizing your house again, finding yourself in, in a little bit of routine. Next thing you know, it's Halloween. Next thing you know, it's Thanksgiving. Next thing you know, it's Christmas, New Year's, and then spring training's knocking on the door. Yep. I mean, that's how it is for me every single year. What 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 do you do in the offseason? Because everybody's got their own offseason flow. Some guys are a little more laid back with it. Some guys are super intense. And, and, it, and it, sometimes it depends on the year they had. They want to get in and lift heavy weights. Some guys are like, no, I'm going to do more yoga. Uh, this year I'm really going to focus on completely overhauling my swing. What are, what are your thoughts as far as, like, how do you get ready for spring training? Um, well, I would say that I get ready for spring training with just making sure that, you know, that I'm present in everything that I do, man. And that doesn't necessarily just have to be baseball. It can be with how I wake my son up in the morning to go take him to school. Mm -hmm. You know, like this isn't just another morning that I have to get Liam up and make him breakfast and, you know, like talk to him about his day and drive him to school. Like this is the morning, you know? Yeah. So wait, this is wait, like what? 
w- wake up with a focus, with a purpose, you know, be, be the most present, the best father that I can be right now, you know, uh, make sure that every day that, you know, <clears throat> when I was younger, I was always a skinny kid, bro. So like, I was one of the ones that put on a good movie. I'm going to smash a half gallon of ice cream right now and not think twice about it. Yeah. But you know, now, uh, that I'm getting older and I want to be in this game for a lot of years, making sure that every day I'm, I'm eating that if it's that, that I want to just make sure my body is feeling the best and, and as healthy as possible, you know? So, uh, you know, being present with my son, eating right, taking my, my workouts, uh, you know, seriously every day, making sure that I'm running after every fly ball, uh, like if it's a world series game, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just being as, as involved in every moment as I can. So when all of a sudden you're on quote unquote, the big stage, it becomes second nature. Without a doubt, without a doubt, especially, you know, you making the, the shift from third base to right field. You've heard this. Everybody's asked you this since you were, since I can remember, you know, why Nick needs to do this in the outfield and he needs to do this in the outfield and he needs to do this. What they don't understand is you're a third baseman playing the outfield and you're learning the position on the fly. Bro, what people, what people don't understand, bro, is that I was a shortstop my whole life that then just started playing musical chairs around the, around all these positions and got, and got pushed through the system because I could rake. Yeah. You know, like I was a shortstop my whole life. I played two years of third base in the minor leagues and bro, whoever says third base is easier than shortstop. I mean, go home because, (laughs) because it was so much easier for me, you know, by no means am I saying that I could be a major league shortstop. I haven't played shortstop in 10 years, but in high school, like there were some teams that wanted me in the first round as a shortstop, but the way I played shortstop was I played really deep and I come in and I caught a bunch of stuff with one hand and I always threw kind of off balance, very similar to like Troy Tulowitzki. Yeah. You know, and that style of play don't play at third base. No. You know, so I played just about a year and a half in A ball and high A and at third base. Then when we got Prince uh, and, you know, Miggy went over to third, then I played right in double A. And like at the time, bro, I acted like I really didn't care, but I was frustrated that like I was in the outfield, you know, because, you know, I wasn't I was I already said like, all right, I'm going to go to the Tigers. They want me to be a third base. So I felt like I gave up short. You know, I played third and then all of a sudden, like, I now I'm in right field. So I didn't take pride working in the outfield as as a 19 year old. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I can own that now, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then so then my there in the next year in 2013, just after a half a year in right field and double A, I get moved up again to triple A. But now we signed Tory Hunter. So I'm in left. So yeah. I, I play. And, and again, like <laughs> right field ain't left field. That's a fact. <laughs> so now, so now I'm trying to learn uh, left field in AAA. I make my debut uh, in left. I think you were playing center because Austin Jackson was out with a neck thing because Salazar was pitching. Uh huh. You remember that? Yeah. We lost that game on an Avila's grand slam. Uh, uh, so I make my debut in left. You know, get a cup of coffee. We end up clinching. Whatever. And then I get a call around Thanksgiving that says, you know, hey, uh, we're going to want you to play third base for us. So, yeah, cool. Like, I'm going to go and I'm going to get all the ground balls I possibly can. 
But you go play third base in high A and then go play third base in the big leagues and tell me if it's the same. <laughs> Guys, are, they hit the ball a little harder. Things move a little you know? quicker in the big leagues. <laughs> and and again, like I can I'm I can also own the fact that like, bro, I was nervous out there. Like we're playing mm-hmm. in a team that like, hey, we got to win the World Series or this is a bust season. Yeah. You know, I'm in the I'm in the locker room with Porcello, Verlander, Scherzer, Joe Nathan, uh, Miguel Cabrera, Victor Martinez. Uh, who else was there? Alex Avila, uh, Jabba Chamberlain, you know, like all of these dudes that have resumes and, yeah. you know, yeah. like I don't want to mess up. And like if you start playing baseball like you don't want to mess up, that's a bad trap to fall into, my man. Without a doubt, you have to – you can't fear the mess up. You have to attack the game with confidence, right? No doubt. No doubt. And, and preparation helps with that. <clears throat> there is a point where you can take as many ground balls as you want, but until you get that, those game reps and get comfortable in a groove, it's really, really tough to just say – you can't fake it till you make it. And that's where I think a lot of people, you know, they well, say, you can't, you can't fake, you can fake it till you make it, but like I could fake it till I make it on a small market team that had no aspirations of winning a world series. Good point. You can't, <laughs> you can't, you can't fake it till you make it when you got the highest payroll in the league and you got an owner who's doing everything he can to put pressure on Dombrowski to win a world series. God rest his soul before he passes. Yeah. You can't that's fake that's it till you make it in that atmosphere, my man. So, Hitting, you were always advanced in hitting, and your defense is coming along, right? Do you do you feel like, uh, you know, right fields where you want to play the rest of your career? You know what? Like, I I feel more comfortable at right. You know, I feel like my arm plays a lot better out there. Obviously, mm-hmm. I got to get more comfortable with the wall, you know? Yeah. And, like, yeah. as far as, like, the sabermetrics go and all the analytics, look, if you look at all the massive outfields, the way that works, the field doesn't really come into account. Look at Charlie Blackman. You're going to tell me yeah. Charlie Blackman is the is is two times over the worst center fielder in all of baseball? No, it's because core fields is huge. You know, so look yeah. at Comerica Park. We got the biggest right center in the whole game. So, you know, obviously I can I'm going to get better jumps, you know. I feel like ever since I started eating right, my speed's coming along and my arm plays well out there, so I would like to spend the rest of my career in right field, yeah. And also, being out there makes me more relaxed, and I feel like hitting becomes easier for me. And that's that's generally why, you know, they like the corner outfield positions. They, they want hitters. Because you, you're not – at third base, man, it can get intense in a hurry. You know, so it's not like your first base. It's a, and, and people will go back and forth with me on this. But thir- the third base position, there's amazing hitters that play that position all the time. But I know the intensity it takes to go out there every day and whether a guy's bunning or you're, you're you know, a guy's about to hit a ball off your face if you don't get the glove. It's a little well, different this is, going in the outfield. This is, this is what I'll say. The game is changing because now all of a sudden they have all of these, you know, analytic tools to measure defense. You know what I'm saying? Where I'll tell you now, if, if Brandon Inge played in today's game, he's a borderline all-star. Yeah, because of all the defensive run save that he has at third base, regardless if he's hitting two ten. Yeah, and then Miguel Cabrera could go out and win the triple crown, and they're going to be like, "But he has a minus twenty seven 
defensive run saved at third base, he's and because his defense is so bad, he makes out as just average. Yeah, yeah. When in reality, when you play with those caliber of players, what people don't realize too is when you play like good hitters in the lineup, the more good hitters you have, the more it raises everybody else's hitting. Like for me, when I was with the Tigers, like I remember, like if you were, if if I was hitting 250, I was like, I got to get my stuff together. Where on the team now with the Tigers, if you're hitting to two, and nobody uses average as much, but you know, it's the scoreboard thing. I mean, we were out there and everybody's busting it. And then what happens is those pitchers are concentrated so hard on those good hitters that they it's not like they take a break against you, but you might get a mistake that they normally wouldn't have thrown if they just didn't get yeah. done facing Miggy Prince. Bro, uh, no no doubt. But let's say let's say too, let's say if you're hitting second, you got Miggy behind you. You know, they try to throw you that nasty two seam in the corner, they just miss oh one. You know what I'm saying? Then they're like, all right, I'm going to throw him a get-me-over slider here. They leave it up. You're sitting 2-0. I cannot walk Andy Dirks and have him on first with Miggy at the plate. Fact. He's, Fact. He, here we go. Put it in play. And you get your cookie. Dude, that's you like, know I when hit, I hit – I don't know what I hit when I was hitting <coughs> the two-hole with the Tigers in my career, but it, it was very, very, very good. <laughs> you know? And then, and then when I'd hit uh, – I hit sixth a lot which, you know, it did decent. But when I was hitting two-hole, without a doubt, when you got Miggy behind you, and I had some speed, so if I get on first, if he hits a ball anywhere in the gaps, I'm scoring. You know, so it was it was, it was was nice having some protection. Now there's guys, you know, that can do it without the protection, but it takes a special guy. Bro, that's why hats off to Victor Martinez, bro. Have fun at your ranch. Guy's one of the realest hitters I've ever played with. His intensity every single – and that's a guy to uh, try to emulate as far as every pitch, you know, every single situation. He was so laser-focused, it was it was pretty unbelievable. Bro, you want me to tell you a really good Victor Martinez story? Love it. So I'm, we're sitting on the airplane, and we had, a, we had a night game. So, you know, we have a night flight. So we, all, we obviously have, like, latched a tire, you know – Victor had that had that uh, game off or no, no, no. He played that game the next day he had off just because, you know, the late night, you know, whatever. Yeah. So obviously Guardy's going to give the veteran off. So he's he's enjoying himself. So he has his his Johnny Walker, you know, blue that him and, uh, you know, Ralphie Martinez were drinking and he's enjoying himself playing cards and it's getting late. So like kind of everybody's dozing off and, you know, I go and I just, I sit next to Victor and I start talking about, he starts talking about <clears throat> just the atmosphere of the team and you know, how, you know, Al was wanting Victor to, to, you know, teach these kids how to do it, how to do it right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's like, Al, like, you know, how, how can I, how can you expect me to teach these kids to do it right? You know, without, without getting physical with them, you know, and, you know, I'm just sitting there and I'm listening. I'm like, well, what do you mean? And he goes, I'll give you an example, man. At this time, you know, Victor's feeling good. The Johnny Walker bottle yeah. is empty. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> and, uh, and he goes, look, and he knocks the Johnny Walker bottle over on the, on the, on the table. And I'm like, okay, look, like, look, you knocked it over. Look, pick it up. And he picks it up and he stands it up straight. And, uh, and he's like, look, don't do that. This is how, this is how it has to be. Look, you see how the bottle is? 
this is how the bottle needs to be every day. And then he goes, and then the second time, he like he knocks it over again. Then he grabs the bottle and he and he goes, this is how it has to be. And takes the bottle and smashes it on the table so hard that everybody around who is dozing off woke up. Looks me dead in the eyes and says, you can't teach people to go about their business like that. You either have it or you don't. And like that was when like that's when it clicked bro like you you can't wait for it to happen like you got to go up that's how intense you got to go about your game every day your 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 preparation your your cold tub your stretching your batting practice your workouts you're studying the pitcher you know that's how you stay 20 years in the big leagues that's how you get 2,000 hits Mm -hmm. you know do you think that's something that uh, a guy can learn, or do you think that just comes from a severe, like a serious passion and a serious hunger? That's well, look, like I'm, I'm very fortunate, man, that that my light switch turned on because it would have been very easy for it not to be. I grew up with money. I had everything handed to me. I was extremely talented. You know, I, I I'm intelligent, so like I can talk and kind of weasel my way out of things when even though like I didn't do it the right way. You know, and things kind of just fell uh, in place. But then you look at Victor, bro, like that dude grew up playing baseball with no shoes on. Mm -hmm. You know, like that guy had to have that killer mentality to get where he had. He didn't have nothing handed to him. You know what I'm saying? And I think that when you have some of these kids that, that come up and they and they're the top prospects or, you know, the, they they kind of scoot their way through the system and they they find themselves in the big leagues. They think that ten years and fifty million dollars is just going to fall in their lap because they're showing up. Yeah, that winning yeah. games and 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 winning divisions is just gonna is just gonna happen because you know the game's at seven o'clock today. Yeah, there's got to be a purpose behind it. You have to be really intentional, bro. You know? There's got to be a purpose behind everything. Yeah, Everything. you can't just show up and expect good results. Because there is no. a – talent will take you so far, but when you get to the big league level, even if you're talented enough just to get there by talent alone, you'll get exposed. If you're not – Bro, I was – you don't get down and dirty and get really intentional with what you're doing. No doubt, bro. I Look at me. I didn't have the greatest first two years in the big leagues, you know? And mm-hmm. I was showing up and thought that I was going to be on all-star teams and, you know – talked about all over MLB network just because I was in the big leagues all of a sudden. You still got to prove it. <laughs> you got to prove it. You got to go get it, man. And, and it's not it's not the easiest thing on planet earth to play against the best in the world and prove it every day. And that's where I I think you know a lot of kids and and coaches and and people in the baseball community it's something that you have to pursue and you have to pursue with passion and I talked to Prince yesterday about it. And it comes down to, you know, that whole process from the time a kid starts playing baseball to if he's a 20 year big leaguer, like that process is long. Right. And maybe he just plays on his high school team, but there has to be some kind of driver and motivator behind it, I think, to achieve, uh, to maximize your full potential. And that motivator is different for every guy, you know, so for some people, it's uh, their family. 
you know, for some people, if, if money's your only motivator, I don't think you're ever going to reach your full potential. I think you <laughs> Bro, have to exact, have exact, inside of no, no doubt. Because that's when you see all these people, if you're going, if you're going and you're playing for money, that's when you see that that's hurt us because now that you see all these people with these long-term mega deal contracts and they shut down. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I can't speak for everybody else, man, but like, what drives what drives my shit, bro, is is self discovery. Mm-hmm. I want to see. I want to see. I want to know who's looking back at me in the mirror when I hang my glove up, and I'm gonna do it my way. And when I do that, like I said, bro, whenever the wherever the cards lie, they're gonna lie. You know, like, and and you no, don't take nothing for granted. Look at Prince, bro. He was on. There was like they were talking about him outside chance to break. You know. Uh, Cal Ripken Jr.'s record at the time where he had like 500 and something games started in a row. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the guy who had 500 and something games started in a row, career ends early because of an injury. Yeah. Yeah, you just so don't know. You don't know what the chips hold. Uh, you taking, don't, it, you don't, taking it with your approach is, is beneficial. Because this is what it's going to do for you, Nick, is no matter whether you're playing baseball or if you were a, a – like me selling real estate or whatever you're doing in life. If you're a school teacher and you approach it that way as I need to learn to be better as an individual myself, you know, and be real with yourself and be honest with yourself. It's so hard to be honest with yourself and, and know like your deficiencies and be really truthful with yourself that it keeps us from growing. What, bro, no, no doubt. Like, bro, the journey doesn't end when you hang up the glove. Yeah, because you know when you hang up, when you hang, forty years old max, you're you're still you're still alive. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The the game, the game's not over. And uh, you know that's that's true, bro. What you said, you know, self self reflection is is a huge tool that that people need to exercise to reach that potential. Because you know, if your cup is filled to the top. If you try to pour more water in the cup, it's just going to fall out. Mm-hmm. You know, you always got to be open. You always got to know that you can learn something from somebody else. You know, you would like, you, play, uh, you would like, there's a book called principles by Ray Dalio. You would like that book. It's about an investor. He's one of the, he, he started Bridgewater. It's a great book. I've, I've just finished it up, but it's basically based on, you know, him learning to be so honest with himself that, he knows his deficiencies and his shortcomings and he's, he's open to other people bringing him deficiencies and shortcomings. Cause you know, the pride comes before the fall, right? If we get too prideful and we think we're the best thing since sliced bread. And then when you do fall, are you going to be willing to be open and honest with yourself to go on and succeed from there? That's very well put. But that's, then that's stuff that I think you can work on until you're dead. And whether there's 90 or when you're 90, you don't well, know everything, you know? Well, no, well, it, it doesn't, it doesn't just end because you're dead, bro. Because in the impact that you have on your, on, on the people around you, your kids, your nieces, your nephews, like then they carry their morals and, and, and everything that they instilled that, that I mean that you instilled in them, it, it carries on. Without a doubt. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, just because you're dead doesn't mean that, what you what you've done doesn't have an impact fact you know so like 
So you're, you're trying just, to set, you're, you're trying to set yourself up to leave a lasting, a long lasting impact. Look, I, for sure, bro. You know, and like not, you're not going to be. It's not going to be. Here lies Nick Castellanos. He had a career slugging percentage of this, and his WAR was this. <laughs> no, dude. I, I'm gonna. I'll be. I'm gonna be real with you, Andy. Like I love baseball, bro, but I don't give a shit about baseball. I get it. Do you know I what I'm it. saying? I yeah. I love baseball, bro, but I don't give a shit about baseball. And I made that mistake of making uh, in the beginning, bro. Like <clears throat> being a baseball player, like I started to identify myself as a baseball player. Uh huh. And my brother, that's a trap. Fact. That's why I deal with a lot of guys. So, uh, you know, that when they get out of the game, they're so lost, they're extremely lost. And it's part of it at times. But the guys who can put it back together are the guys who just didn't, they didn't just find their identity in baseball. Look at Torrey Hunter now, bro. Look, Torrey Hunter is, is, dude, I call that guy all the time and just ask him questions and just, and just listen. And when he opens his mouth, I never have, the intent to respond. I only, I only listen with the intent to understand whenever he opens his mouth, because bro, that guy has pulled, he grew up with gold teeth in his mouth, running around, you know, like in the, in the bad part of Arkansas to grow yeah, up and dope. like and <laughs> doing whatever. I mean, yeah. Tory wasn't even known as Tory when he was younger. He was known as Kedar. Yep. Gang you know, you, you know that. <laughs> And, and like, look at him now, bro. That guy is, has turned himself into a, an upstanding member of society, a devoted husband, a very present father, uh, a phenomenal businessman, an incredible mentor, and gives back everything that he's taken. Yep. And when he passes, bro, he doesn't pass because I carry the things that he's taught me with me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that's how that's how that's how that saying tradition never graduates. That's how that that's how that saying comes true. So the so young kids, you know, when they're trying to find figure out this game and and whether, you know, be on their high school team or whatever, I always try to tell them, you know, baseball is just part of it. You know, you want to be the best baseball player you can be, but there's so much more to what sports can bring to the table. And uh, mentors, listening, coaches, like make it as much about that as the game itself. And the kids will get so much more out of it for life. I agree with that. When, when you, so what, do you, what this is great stuff, Nick. I mean, just, uh, I think a lot of people can listen to this and start thinking, okay, how am I really acting? How am I really approaching this? What's going to be more valuable, like that self-reflection, right? I think that that's going to be the key message out of this is like, let's reflect on what we're really trying to accomplish here. What are our real life goals? Things of that nature for kids that are listening and, and coaches and parents or whoever, uh, just in life. When, when you talk about, you know, it's not just baseball and things like this. I, I'm a big believer that you have to have like some kind of hobbies uh, things, especially when the, uh, if you're a professional baseball player, what are some things that help you kind of, you know, get your mind off the game, obviously your kids, family, but what, what's, what's some of your go-tos as far as like, Hey, I just need to relax. I need to chill. I just want to, you know, clear my brain a little bit. Photography and painting. So you're, you got the creative mindset. 
Yeah, dude, I, I love, I love, uh, I love painting. I love photography. And bro, like, this is gonna sound funny, but dude, I love going out with like, like, I love going out and like dancing and like having a good time, bro. Like, I think it's so therapeutic to be able to like express yourself through these outlets where you're not judged on anything, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, like, who's gonna tell me that this picture I took is wrong? Who's gonna tell me that this painting I did is wrong? Who's going to tell me that, that this, that me going out there and dancing, regardless of however it looks is wrong. Yeah. Because the problem is, is because then, then you're passing judgment, you know, and judgment is an opinion and, you know, opinions are based on perspective of an individual. Yeah. We're in baseball, you know, you're out there for the world to see. There's no hiding, you know, it's, it's all the numbers based, whether you're doing good or bad. Uh, and, and I think it's, the only game uh, that it is that way. Like there's been football, you know, if you miss a block, nobody knows, especially if the quarterback throws it over and you get a five yard gain. The, the coach might know, you know, when you watch film later, but, but the media is not going to be like, Oh, how did you miss that block? Now, if you miss one block out of, uh, and, and you could have blocked 500 people in a row and you miss the one and the guy gets sacked, then you might make it. But baseball, it's like that every single day. Baseball's constantly a tough under the microscope. You're constantly under the microscope in a game of failure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to be you know? tough. You got to be tough mentally in this game. There's no, no two ways around it. Right. There, there's, there's no two ways around it. You have to be extremely good at turning the page. So keep turning the page. Nick, what's, what are you looking uh, forward to most for this season personally as far as uh, what you're trying to accomplish? Just continue, just continue to be uh, a better version of myself, you know. I don't – I can't – I'm not going to sit here and tell you, bro, like I have aspirations to hit 45 homers, driving 130, you know, and, 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 you know, win an MVP. Like if all that – is a result of me waking up every morning and just being the best me that I can be and treating everybody how I want to be treated, then so be it. But if I go about my life like that or my days like that, yo, I can live with whatever results come my way. The funny thing is I think you're proving to yourself and, and that living your life that way is producing better results, even on the field. You're right. But then what's really cool, bro, is you don't get connected to the results. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you, you start seeing the result. Then the, all of a sudden the result, you don't get attached to the results. So you don't start. I mean, obviously, like I said, execution is way harder than talking about it. But you don't pan you don't get on your high horse when they come. You don't panic when they're not there. You don't get overwhelmed by the all of a sudden, you know, fake attention that you're getting from media and all of these you know, outside people where like, if you don't do that, you hang on to the results, you become obsessed with the media attention, you become uh, 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 immersed in the idea of your ego. And then if that starts slipping away, you start panicking. Mm -hmm. How do I get you know? it back quick? How do I get it? How do I, how do I get it back? I need it back. How, what can I do? What can, you know, and, and then you're just, you're on a merry-go-round, bro. Like it's no exhausting. Doubt. That's not, that's not a great way to live. So, no. so there's a lot of kids and there's a lot of people, uh, you know, your fan base, there's a lot of people that, that love you as a player and, 
you know, the kids, uh, who's your favorite player, Nick Castellanos, things like that. I think, you know, your, your legacy that you're going to leave, especially with your approach uh, mentally to your, your day-to-day stuff is going to exceed you. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing to see how far you've come in a short time. And I, I'm super excited to see how much further, further you take it as a, as a person and, a, and as a baseball player, I want to see you succeed and do well. And I want to see uh, uh, great things for you in the future, wherever that may be. Uh, buddy, I appreciate you being on the show so much. I think people hey, are going to get a uh, lot out of this. I'll, uh, I'll finish it up with this. I've come a long way, but that's only because, I've, only because I've had a lot of bumps in my road. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've had a kid out of wedlock. I've gotten married. I've gotten divorced. You know, I had to deal with my dad going through a life-threatening illness. You know, like, like the only reason that I feel like I'm here right now is because I've been punched in the face continuously pretty hard. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and because of that, now I'm standing where I stand now. And, and I'm, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? So like, you have to, you have to go through the getting knocked down before you can, uh, first of all, appreciate, you know, the good and then learn, okay, I can learn something from each one of these experiences. Exactly. You know, dude, you're going to love that book. I'm telling you principles, Ray Dalio, download it. All right. I'll tell you what I'll read. I'll read that book. If you do, if you do 101 Zen koans, one koan a day. 101 what? Zen koans. K-O-A-N. K-O-A-N. Zen Zen koans. Is that meditation? Uh, it's basically a mental crossword puzzle, and you're only allowed to you're only allowed to contemplate one a day. One a day. All right. Well, my my assistant said she's in too. So it sounds like we're doing one Zen koan a day. What I'll do is uh, I'll let you know how it goes. I'll keep you updated with it. Have you done 101 yet? Yeah, bro. I've, I've been, uh, I've been, I've been, uh, I basically like, instead of doing the morning crossword puzzle, uh, I read, I read one of those. Gotcha. And then what's funny is that it pops up randomly in my head throughout the day. Cool. I'm going to look it up. Everybody out there, look it up. Maybe it'll get your, get you on a a good mental wave. All right, man. man. Hey, I appreciate you being on so much, Nick. Uh, this has been Nick Castellanos. You can find him on Instagram uh, uh, doing his thing. Obviously, massive support behind you. The Detroit community loves you. Uh, however it plays out, man, we're looking forward to, to seeing you do great things. Absolutely, bro. I appreciate it. Keep doing your thing, Andy. Thanks, Nick. Later, bud. Later.